We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Let's take our Bibles this morning, and I want you to go with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 2. We'll begin reading in verse number 12. And uh, for those of you who have not been here uh, a great length of time, uh, perhaps you're not aware that uh, Nehemiah is uh, probably one of my most favorite uh, books of the Bible, without doubt. And uh, there's a verse in here that I want to read that has really become a theme for my life. I've, I've adopted it as a theme for my life. And, um, and so this morning, uh, on the occasion uh, that we recognize we've been together for 15 years, you and I, <laughs> and uh, you've stuck with me like my wife has through thick and thin, right? And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Nehemiah chapter number two and verse number 12, and I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon, and I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. I'd like to call your attention to verse number 18, the words of Nehemiah. He said, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. The hand of my God was good upon me. 
And Nehemiah said, I, I want you to know something, gentlemen. I've come here because God has touched my heart and there's a work for us to do and there's some amazing things that God has done to allow us all to be together so that we can do this work together. And I want you to know that the only reason I'm here is because the hand of my God has been good upon me. And he wanted them to know that the only reason that they were there is because the hand of their God had been good upon them. As Andrew said earlier, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our story would be a tragedy without Jesus. In fact, his story is our story. We have no story without him. We can all say this morning that the hand of our God has been good upon us. Well, in this narrative, we know that the Jews had returned to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, and Zerubbabel had led them to rebuild the temple. Haggai the prophet prophesied to, to, to move, to stir, to compel the people that they would rebuild the temple, and so they did. Sixty years later, Ezra the scribe brought reform and revival to Jerusalem. God used him in a great way. And then some 12 years later, Nehemiah came. And when he arrived in Jerusalem, he found that the city was in reproach and in ruin. And God used Nehemiah to stir the hearts of the people, and they rallied together, and they rebuilt the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to know it wasn't Nehemiah's hand that did it. It wasn't the hand of the king or the hand of the people. It was the hand of God. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to know that this church and all churches that preach the word of God, that serve the Lord Jesus Christ, all of them exist because of the good hand of God, because of the building, the construction that Jesus Christ has done. I'm just thankful. I'm so happy. I'm so blessed that I get to be a part of it. And I'm particularly blessed that I get to be a part of it with all of you. I thank God for each and every one of you. And I thank God that I can say and echo the words of Nehemiah when he said, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Now, as I want you to see three things in this, as we look at this passage, as we think about this theme, the hand of my God being good upon me. The first thing I want you to see is the hand of God. So if you'll look again with me in verse number 18. We see the hand of God is at work. Nehemiah came into Jerusalem. He came with a few men. He came, though, with a boatload of supplies, uh, pulling them on carts and things that the king had granted uh, Nehemiah to have. He came uh, with a, a, a royal escort service to protect him and to watch over him and those men. And so when he came to Jerusalem, the men of Jerusalem knew that something was up. But they did not know what purpose that Nehemiah was there. 
And Nehemiah tells us that uh, he surveyed the city and walked up and down in it. No doubt people begin to whisper and say, who is this guy and what is he doing here? And finally, Nehemiah gathered the people together to tell them the reason that he had come. He had come to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And he began by telling them of the hand of his God, which was good upon him. Why was Nehemiah there? Because of the hand of God. Now, we note some things in this, in this wonderful book. We notice that God's hand had been good upon Nehemiah in several ways. First of all, we see that God's good hand placed Nehemiah in the palace. Look, if you would, please, in chapter 1 and verse number 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace. What was he doing in the palace? He was serving as the king's cupbearer. How did he get there? It was the hand of God that put him there. It was God's hand, God's sovereign plan that put Nehemiah in the palace. We see, secondly, that God's good hand not only placed Nehemiah in the palace, but God's good hand prepared Nehemiah for the task. He prepared Nehemiah. He put him in the palace. He served as the king's cupbearer. To be the king's cupbearer, you had to be a very trusted man. You had to be a proven man. And the cupbearer who was perpetually with the king at all times, protecting him, he would taste the food to make sure that no one was poisoning the king. So he was involved in all of the, the, the state dinners and all of the high-level meetings of the administration of the king. And no doubt, Nehemiah, as he was there, as he was there, he experienced and he learned how to administrate. God put him in a college. God gave him an opportunity to work a job where he could learn the skill that he would later need in administrating the construction of the walls. God by his good hand, prepared Nehemiah for the task. God's good hand prompted the king to consider Nehemiah's request. In chapter 2 and verse number 1, Nehemiah, we know, had been praying for months about the city of Jerusalem and what could be done. And the Bible says in verse number 1, and it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been aforetime sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. You see, for him to be sad in the presence of the king, for him to show any shift of mood or to be in any way uh, unstable in his presence and presentation to the king would give the king concern to believe that there was a conspiracy afoot to take his life. And so oftentimes, this kind of behavior would lead to the king executing the cupbearer. So he is very afraid, the Bible tells us in verse 2. And verse 3, and said unto the king, this is his response to the king when he asked uh, why he was sorrowful. He said, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Notice this, verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. You see, the king had a lot of things to deal with. 
And yet he takes an interest in Nehemiah. He takes an interest in what is important to Nehemiah. He is concerned because Nehemiah is concerned. And it was God who gave Nehemiah favor with the king. It was God who prompted the king to ask Nehemiah, what's the problem? And it was God who who gave Nehemiah the wisdom to communicate the burden to the king. And then for the king to say, I'll let you go. And then we see as we read on in these passages in verse 5, chapter 2, And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. The king said, Why are you sad? The walls are broken down. The city's in reproach. What can I do for you? Would you let me go back and rebuild the walls? Verse 6. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. You see, it was God's good hand that prompted the king to consider Nehemiah's request. But then we see that it was God's good hand that provided all the resources that Nehemiah needed. Nehemiah is going to lead a construction project, a massive construction project to rebuild the walls that surround the city of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah, having already been given favor with the king, continues to speak to the king in chapter 2 and verse 7. He said, moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. I don't want any problems along the route. I don't want anybody stopping me to look at my passport and make me wait. I want to be able to get on to Jerusalem. King, would you give me that passage? And the king granted it to him. Verse number eight, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. You see, God had prompted Nehemiah. God had prompted the heart of the king. And now God is going to work by his good hand to provide everything that would be needed to rebuild the walls of the city. Isn't God good? You see, not only did the king let him go, but the king gave him a a royal passport. And then the king said, by the way, if you need my Lowe's card, here it is. Go and buy everything that you need. And then we read on in verse 9, then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now notice this. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Hey, the king granted him protection. Isn't God good? Here we see how God's good hand was at work in the life of Nehemiah, how that God's good hand was at work uh, for the lives of the people who lived in the city of Jerusalem. And then he came to Jerusalem and told the men of the good work that they needed to get employed in. And in verse number 19 As the men agreed, the Bible tells us that opposition came. Notice in verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. 
and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Now, if you've read the book of Nehemiah, you know this is only the beginning of the opposition. And what we're going to find is that God's good hand protected Nehemiah and the people from the ridicule, from the schemes, from the threats, and from the attacks of those who desired to stop the work. And then we see finally that God's good hand performed the task. And in 52 days, the wall was finished. You see, Nehemiah could take a step back and he could say, I want you to see that God's good hand has been upon my life. I want to ask you a question today. Can you take a step back? And can you say with Nehemiah that God's hand has been good upon me? I know that I can. Do you remember the day that he touched you with his mighty hand? That he revealed to you that you were a sinner? That he opened to you the door of salvation? The day that you by faith received him? You repented of your sin. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You received an inheritance that is incorruptible and that fadeth not away. You you received life eternal. Can you remember that day? I want to say to you that if uh, if you have not received Christ, if there's no day for you to remember because you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you and his good hand has brought you here today to hear the message of the gospel. And if you will repent of your sin and turn to Jesus, he will forgive you, he will save you, and give you a home in heaven. I remember that day as a seven-year-old boy in a Bible school assembly when the hand of God was good upon me. I remember how good God has been to me in placing me in a Christian home, allowing me to go to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, allowing me to meet and marry the most beautiful girl who loved the Lord and loved me, loves her children, and loves the people of God. I want to say God's hand has been good upon me. I'm thankful for the day that God called me to ministry, November the 1st, 1992, a recent graduate of the prestigious university in Knoxville with the beautiful power T, right? God showed me that he wanted me to serve him in ministry. He put his good hand upon me. And God was patient with me and merciful with me and worked in my life and in my family, and allowed me uh, to serve uh, at Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, and Crown College. Then God directed my course to Hickory, North Carolina. I had never been to Hickory, just stopped one time. Just one time I stopped along the way in Hickory, North Carolina. I didn't know anybody here. Nobody here knew me. I was a very unlikely candidate for you to select. But yet God's good hand was upon us. I remember the day Dr. Spencer called me. I remember conversations with Ronnie Shook, Dan Dixon. I remember meeting with the pulpit committee. And all I can tell you is that God's hand has been good upon me. We've had some great days together. We've had some tough days together. 
God's hand has been good upon us. God put a desire in my heart to serve him. Not because I had anything to offer, but just in his mercy and grace, he's given me the great privilege of serving him. And God has given us the great privilege of serving him together right here in Hickory, North Carolina. Tabernacle Baptist Church and Tabernacle Christian School. God's hand has been good upon us. He's given us an opportunity to serve him, to learn together. He's faithfully supplied all of our needs. We've had some days when we didn't know if we're going to make it. But God brought us through. He has fulfilled all of his promises. He has stirred us and he has kept the burden in our heart to reach our community with the gospel and to honor the Lord Jesus. He's given us a vision for what can be done and an opportunity and an open door in providing a shopping center that just happened to be located next door. That one of our former pastors and some men of this church who are still here used to walk around that property and pray that God would give it to us. And he has. Do you know what we can all say? The hand of our God has been good upon us. So we see, number one, the hand of God. Then I want you to see, secondly, the heart of man. God's hand was at work in the life of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah's heart was open to how God was working. I want to ask you, have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Look with me, if you would, please, in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 12. Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem, and he said, And I arose in the night. I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. I want you to know it wasn't Nehemiah's idea to rebuild the walls. It was God's idea. And God had worked in the heart of Nehemiah to place that desire in Nehemiah's heart. Psalm 37 and verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see, when we delight in God, God places his desire into our hearts, and we begin to desire what God desires. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2 and verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will, that's to desire, and to do of his good pleasure. If you desire to obey God and to serve God, if you're willing to get your hands into the work that God has given us to do, I want you to know it's not simply because you're a good person. It's because God, who is a good God, has worked in your heart to place that desire there. Paul said it this way again in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It's God who works in us to desire to serve him in such a wonderful way. And here we find that Nehemiah said, 
God has put this in my heart. Now we see that Nehemiah was a man of passion. He was a man of passion. Look with me, if you would, in chapter one again and verse number two. Nehemiah is a man of passion. He's in the palace. He's serving the king. And verse two says, Hanani, one of my brethren came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Do you know it is potentially and probably likely that Nehemiah, who was born in captivity, had never been to Jerusalem. But yet he's concerned. Why is he concerned? Because he knows his Bible. He knows that Jerusalem is the city of God. He knows that's where God's name was proclaimed. He was concerned about Jerusalem the way you and I ought to be concerned about the church. He was concerned. So he sees one of his brothers, one of his, 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 of his own nationality, and he says, tell me how things are in Jerusalem. He is concerned. He's concerned enough to ask. By the way, are we that concerned? Or are we so, uh, uh, so, so distracted by, by the things that are going on in our lives, by, by our plans and our hopes and our dreams and our desires that we don't have enough concern to see how it's going in the work of God? That we don't have enough concern to, to give a gospel tract to somebody along the way or to be a witness or to pray for a brother or a sister in need do we have that passion that causes us to be concerned? So he makes a passionate request. He says, tell me how it is in Jerusalem. And then notice that the answer comes in verse 3. They said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It's a mess. People's lives are shattered. There's no security. There's no protection. Yes, the temple exists, but the pagans run through it and sacrifice to their gods. This is a mess. It's a dreadful situation. And Nehemiah said, well, I'm sorry. I would talk to you longer, but I got a tea time today. No, that's not what he did. He didn't say, well, you know, I, I'm really sorry about that, but I've got to meet with my investment uh, advisor today. No, that, that is not what he did. He gave the request because he was concerned. Then notice this, please. Uh, we see his response, and it was a passionate response. Look in verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words. I didn't go about my business. I didn't go on my way and say, well, I'm glad that's not my situation. No, he sat down, the Bible says. That means he stopped in his tracks. He was overcome. He was disturbed, and he sat down, and notice what he did. He wept, and he mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Here we see Nehemiah was a man who cared about the work of God. He was a man who cared about the people of God. He was a man who cared for the lost souls of the people that were around uh, that community. And I want to ask you a question. Do we care today? Do we care? The heart of a man. Well, we see his passion, but then in verses 5 through 11 of chapter number 1, we see his prayer. We see his prayer. 
Look in verse five. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open. God, I'm not just simply praying a little prayer tonight. I want your attention. I want your attention, God. Have you prayed like that before? I mean, you're not just going through the ritual. You're not just going through the routine, but you're burdened, and you want to get a hold of God. I got some good news for you. He said, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Well, Nehemiah called, and by the way, God did answer, didn't he? He prayed. You know the greatest thing we can do for our country? Pray for it. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for lost souls. We need to pray for God's power. We need to pray for the unity of our church. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for men and for women and and, and every family in this ministry. We need to pray. We need to bombard heaven. Prayer can do what God can do, and God can do anything. Let's be people of prayer. Nehemiah was facing an impossible situation. He is thousands of miles away in Shushan, the palace, from the problem. He has no power to fix it, but he speaks to the one who can. And I want you to know that oftentimes we feel so powerless to address the problem, but we know the one who can. And we have access to him. And so may God help us to be people of prayer. He said in verse 6, let thine ear be attentive and thine eyes be open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel and thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. He prays a penitent prayer and repents for his sin and the sins of the people. But notice, if you would, in the close of this prayer, verse 10 He says, now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ears be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. Here's what Nehemiah's prayer was doing. It was moving him to action. God, through the prayers of Nehemiah, was touching the heart of Nehemiah to say, Nehemiah, there's something I want you to do. And I want you to know that God has called us to take the gospel to every creature, every creature in Hickory, every creature in our nation and around the world. God has called us to take the gospel. There is a work for us to do. We're not just simply here to sit sour and sulk. We are here to serve the Lord. Well, that was his prayer. And then we notice, lastly, his perseverance here as we think of his heart. Nehemiah was a passionate man. He was a prayerful man, but he was a man who persevered, his perseverance. Nehemiah didn't quit. He didn't quit. I remember when I was a boy, I wanted to quit football. And my dad wouldn't let me. He just wouldn't let me quit. And you would hear things, you know, little sayings that people had to keep you from quitting in difficult times. And it put something in me. A a refusal to just give up and to quit. Today the devil wants so many of us to throw in the towel, doesn't he? 
He wants us to quit. But you know, we'll never see anything done if we quit. Those walls that they had tried to rebuild 13 years before Nehemiah showed up, those walls which they said were impossible to build, those walls were completed in 52 days. Amazing. Miraculous. And in those 52 days, there were many days when many didn't know if they would ever complete the task. The enemy came against them. There was discouragement within. There was division within the people of God. There were disappointments. There was uh, deceptions and, and all kinds of things which threatened the, the construction of the wall. But nevertheless, in it all, Nehemiah and the people persevered. They didn't quit. They stayed on the job. I want you to know the devil is going to fight us every step of the way as we go forward. He has fought us every step of the way throughout our history. And he will continue to fight us and to seek to discourage us and to seek to divide us. He will do all he can to scorn and ridicule us. He will do everything he can uh, to, to keep us from showing up and getting on the job. But I want to say that if you will persevere, I want you to know that God has promised that he will prevail through you. Jesus Christ said, and I'll quote it again, I will build my church. In other words, it's a finished task. It's already done. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, we see this was in the heart of this man. Well, we see the hand of God. We see the heart of a man. And then finally, we see the hope of a people. The hope of a people. Look, if you would, in verse 17, Nehemiah has taken his survey around the city. He has finally got together with the elders of Jerusalem and they're waiting with bated breath to find out what in the world is he doing. So in verse 17, then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. I want to ask you a question. Do you see the distress that we're in? Do you see the needs all around us in this town? in this community, in this nation, broken lives, broken homes, drug addiction, alcoholism, iniquity abounding, iniquity marching down the main street of our cities, leaders who have no fear of God, Do you see the distress that we're in? You see, they didn't see it. They were living in it for 13 years, and they hadn't seen it. They'd gotten used to it. We get used to it, don't we? We get used to it. 
I thought about this the other day. There are things on the television that are playing on mainstream television. Of course, nowadays you have all these streaming. Sir. There are things on there that we would have never imagined we would allow ourselves to watch, let alone our children. But we've gotten sleepy, haven't we? I'm talking to myself. We've gotten sleepy. We've given our our children. No, let me say it differently. We've given the devil unimpeded access into the hearts and minds of our kids. We took the walls down. We put, we put something in their hands that's given the devil access to them. Do you see the distress that we're in? Oh, things may be good at work and you may have money in the bank, but I'm just wondering, do we see the distress that we're in? Nehemiah said, Jerusalem lieth waste. It's a mess. I'm thankful that we're in a church where there's some life. Praise God. I'm thankful we're in a church that's filled on a Sunday before July 4th. I'm thankful for that. But do you know it's not that way everywhere? People just hanging on, holding on, struggling. The gospel's not being preached. Lives are not being changed. Jerusalem lieth waste. The gates of protection are burned with fire. The devil won't sin. And look at the damage he's done. He's gone into homes and bound husbands in chains of addiction and led astray wives. And he's kidnapped and taken the children and he's bound them in iniquity and sin and he's lied to them and told them all sorts of of wickedness and and evil tales and evil truths to keep them away from God and God's people. And we've seen it happen. Do you see the distress that we're in? He said, let us rise up and build the wall of Jerusalem. What did those walls do? It protected them. It was a barrier to the enemy. It was a boundary for the citizen. By the way, let me say this, mom and dad. Can I say this to you? There are some boundaries you need to re-erect in the lives of your kids. 
I want to say it once more. There are some boundaries that you need to erect in the lives of your children, and you don't need to apologize. You don't need to be concerned about their feelings getting hurt. You need to be more concerned about Satan coming in and spoiling them with philosophies and vain deceits after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. We better rise up and build. That we be no more a reproach, a laughing stock. And so the Lord stirred his people. Look at verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. There's also the king's words that he had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. The same group that 13 years earlier said, we can't do this. It can't be done. Now says, 13 years later, let's rise up and build. You see, it wasn't simply in Nehemiah's heart. It was in the heart of the people. And God stirred the people. That's why Nehemiah could say, the hand of my God has been good upon me. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you see the need for a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church? Do you see the need for outreach ministries, soul winning and visitation? Do you see the need for a choir that sings music that honors and exalts the Lord Jesus Christ that is not just simply here to entertain or put on some some, some, uh, sort of a a, a dumbed down, excuse the expression, uh, presentation of what the world gives you at a nightclub? No, that's not this kind of church. The Lord stirred his people. The Lord strengthened his people. Look at verse 18. So they strengthened their hands for this good work, encouraged by the news of what God was doing. I mean, Nehemiah is telling this tale. I was in the palace. I I saw these fellows. I said, how's it going? They told me. I sat down. I wept. I mourned. I fasted. I prayed. And God heard my prayer. And one day I'm at work and the king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? Hey, boys, I thought he was going to kill me, but he didn't. Instead, he said, how can I help you? I said, oh, king, I would like to go to Jerusalem and build the walls of the city. And the king said, how much time do you need? And I told him. He said, no problem. I'll talk to the human resource director. And then I said, well, hey, I'm getting this far. Hey, king, got a question. Can you send some guys, you know, some bodyguards with me? And can I have the the credit card? And the king said, no problem. And fellas, I'm here because we need to rebuild these walls and I need you to help me and let's do this together and, 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 and let's restore what's been broken down. And they heard that. And the Bible says they strengthened their hands for this good work. They were encouraged to see what God was doing and it gave them strength to go on. And then we read in chapter 6 and verse 15, so the wall was finished. You see, not only did the Lord stir his people, not only did the Lord strengthen his people, but the Lord sustained his people. As I said earlier, there were many days when they were tempted to quit. There were many oppositions. There were many troubles without and troubles within, yet God sustained them, and they stayed on the wall and the work 
was done. Here's what I want to say to you today, mom and dad. Don't quit. Here's what I want to say to you today, Christian school teacher. Don't quit. Here's what I want to say to you, Sunday school teacher. Don't quit. Here's what I want to say to you, uh, discouraged Christian who's praying for God to, to break through in a situation. Don't quit. Let's keep building and let's see what the good hand of our God will do. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.